This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah, we just we need to improve on playing, you know, the boot keepers and, and don't know, know who's taking the second contain and who has that on every single play. You know, the three times they ran the play, we were in three different coverages, so it, it's different on each one. Uh, but we do have a guy that's assigned to him, and we have to do a better job with executing them. Mully and – oh, my God, I'm going to the morning show. What does that tell you? It's the pregame show on the score. Mully's working too hard, apparently. I do this in my sleep, guys. We've got Anthony Herod and uh, Pat Is that Manley like your here. alarm in the morning? Did you wake Pat up like, Mully! Mully! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it usually starts at 530. I, I hit the alarm. Yep. Um, all right, guys. So here we are um, talking about kind of the chicken and egg question with the Bears defense, which is when you face a team that is as good as this one. I, I thought Eberflus made a couple of great points earlier in the, the week, and he talked about – you heard him there in the coaches' show with the contained. But he talked about how if you don't do something right, the league is going to just pound you and pound you until you figure it out. They're never – that's the NFL. If somebody sees something, if there's a flaw – you know, I felt all year that the only thing that could bail the Bears' run defense out was if you got offensive coordinators that were so in love with their own passing game that they didn't want to run the ball. Other than that, you were going to be in trouble with it. Um, and I don't, I don't know if that's the case today. I know they seek balance, and I know Dalvin Cook, they've had ways of stopping him in the past. He's, he's had seven games against the Bears, one in which he gained 100 yards, 132. But it, it seems like an invitation to run when you play the Bears. And I wonder if they have to stop the run first and then worry about the passing game, or are they going to be behind the eight ball given the, the quality of the passing game here with Minnesota? That's where my sensibilities lie, Mully, is to, to pour as many resources as it takes. So, uh, that's probably an overstatement, but certainly you, you're better off controlling the run than the pass because if you don't control the run, you have to dedicate more and more resources to doing so. You know, you can, you can rush the quarterback with four and drop seven and do that consistently, which is a really obviously a big part of, of this defensive scheme anyway. But when they're running the ball on you, even if you don't necessarily, you know, call to drop extra defenders into the box if you don't call to shift your front where you've got more bodies at the line of scrimmage we saw last week it just ends up happening organically because so many additional people end up just wanting to be a part of controlling the run no one likes being demoralized in that way that running the football can end up demoralizing and and controlling a defense and the clock so i think between the two if the Bears have to devote more resources to one 
than the other. Yes, the, the quicker strike can come from the passing attack, but if you're going into the game saying we have to control either one, showing up this run defense, mm-hmm. it, it really, I think, needs to be more of the – more of the focus, more of the priority for the Bears going in. I don't know what you think, Patrick. No, I'm with you. I think that's the biggest uh, wart that they have right now on this defense. I think they understand on the back end they're young. With Jalen Johnson out, Kyler Gordon's going to have a – I look at it now as a great opportunity to go against Justin Jefferson. So let's see how he mm-hmm. grows. But I do think you have to stop the run. Anthony, you know, being a former O-lineman, you're the D-lineman, you said demoralizing. You love when you can get the run game going. And it just – I know it hurts the defense when you're just clicking off five, six, seven yards at a time mm-hmm. and – uh, you just have to stop that. I think they have to do everything they can to stop that today. And unfortunately, I think the Vikings are looking at themselves and seeing that their run game hasn't been as potent as it's been in the past. And I think they feel like today is a day. Let's get this thing right. Let's get Dalvin Cook going. Um, so the Bears just have to get you know their big boy pads on on the D line and be able to stop this run. I think it's really going to come downhill at them. Here's one thing that strikes me as yeah. well with with the Bears' run defense, Molly, because of the scheme itself. We've seen I find it interesting Justin Jones is, is the, the honorary. I think the term they use is the honorary captain for captain. the extra guy who's yep. kind of the rotating captain each week. One of the things that has happened, it's been Angelo Blackson at times this season, has made plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage. you got this penetrating one-gap style. Justin Jones has at times made plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage this season. What can end up happening and what has consistently happened this season to this Bears defense, though, as that penetration happens into the backfield, you really need to be able to penetrate through the shoulder of the offensive blocker. You still do want to get some knockback. And what, what's happened too frequently here is as these kind of you know sleek defenders who, who kind of really good at getting skinny in gaps and, and you know, kind of getting to the edge of blockers, you end up, if you're not actually penetrating through that outside shoulder, like through the outside half or maybe even through the outside third of the blocker, forcing his body still into the gap you can penetrate while still getting movement while still impacting the blocker and condensing the hole but what happens to the the bears a lot is as they're getting penetration they're not really getting penetration while moving the blocker while affecting the blocker hardly at all sometimes and so we may see the body of a justin jones or of an angelo blacks we may see their body in the backfield but there's a gaping run lane there's Mm -hmm. a big alley for some of these really talented ball carriers to end up just screaming through. And it's too difficult for the second and third level of the defense to react, to run the alley and make tackles, whether it's one-on-one. There's a whole lot of space, man. So, yeah, you could ask for the defenders to make that happen. Saquon Barkley's too gifted to ask for that to be a consistent thing that you're calling on your linebackers and certainly your secondary players to do in run support. So you do, you want to penetrate, but there's a way that you penetrate. There's a technique that's utilized that the Bears, I think, too frequently hear, yeah, all right, looks cool. You're, you're in the backfield. We see that opposite colored jersey on their side of the line of scrimmage, but where's the offensive line? And how much of a run lane have you created in the way that you're penetrating? And I'm guessing that's been a big focal point in the film study in recent weeks. I, I made a couple phone calls myself. The Bears are allowing 183 yards a game rushing. It, it is just outrageous. And I think maybe we should talk about, Anthony, you, you brought up uh, containment issues, but that was with the running back, being aware of the running back. That Obviously, they blew all their containment issues in the quarterback. Nice sleight of hand, but he was running crazy, and, and they gave him touchdowns. But when I called around and I talked to a couple people, I talked to one guy who's a, a scout who has scouted the Bears, and he sa- I said to him, 
is this a gap control problem? You know, we, we've always heard that with Lovey that, you know, if you are not controlling your gap and guys get, get you know, when they start getting burned, they start trying to help someone and then that leaves another lane. And he said, it's a blocking problem. They're blocked. When he watches it, he sees guys getting blocked. And that is probably more disturbing than the idea that there's bad gap control. Because I don't know if you can wave a magic wand at at the fact that I am now kind of being blocked. It is That comes down to issues on whether or not you have the right personnel. Well, you're talking personnel. So I talked earlier about Ed Donatel going against the Bears' offense and who scares you. Well, if you look at the Bears' defense and you're the opposing offensive coordinator, who are you planning for? Probably Robert right. Quinn in the pass game, right? Then you look yeah. up the middle, you talk about Justin Jones, Angelo Blackson, Muhammad. They don't scare you. You know what I mean? They're not a game plan guy. They're not a guy like a, uh, you know, I'm going to go all the way to Warren Sapp, but a Warren Sapp where you take the guard and the tackle and you close down the B gap because you're afraid of him penetrating there and making a wrecking an entire, you know, game or a play. There's nobody on this defense besides, okay, Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn would be the two guys. Like, all right, this is what we have to look at. But you're right. They're getting blocked up front because they're not. Super talented. They are NFLers, but they're not difference makers. They're not game plan records. They're not game planners that you are sitting there on Tuesday and Wednesday and worried about how do we stop these guys. They're just players, and that's unfortunately where we are right now. So do you have to start bringing down more help? Do you have to bring down the safety? We saw last week there were a couple times they brought down Eddie Jackson, looked like in the run blitz, where he took the one time he took the wrong gap, and they got burned on the cutback. And the next time, I think they ran it two or three plays later, he filled the right gap and made the tackle. But you're going to have to start seeing that because these guys just are getting blocked, Molly. And the, the way that that ends up playing out, because now you're finding moments to, to deploy more resources to help your run defense, you want to do it situationally. And if Eddie Jackson, if they end up going play action, then Eddie's capable enough to convert into becoming a pass rusher in situations like that. But you don't want that to be a constant. And one of the things that happened formationally in that game last week was when – when New York started having multiple tight ends at the edge, then it walks Jaquan Brisker, the safety, up as the edge defender. That's one of those things that they they were able to make an adjustment during the game, and it played out a little bit better, much better in the second half than the first, but they started to do it a bit in the second quarter, whereas opposed to allowing himself to be outflanked, or the scheme really uh, outflanking him, where when there's two tight ends, you have the tight end who's the, the wide player on the line of scrimmage and then a second tight end in a wing position, then he was basically aligned in between those two. The run action went away. Jaquan Brisker ends up kind of burying his head into that edge blocker and following the run action there. Then there's just no edge to the defense. It happened multiple times, several times in that game. One, it's just not a position that, that he, as a young defensive back, has been in that frequently where basically he's kind of like the Sam linebacker by alignment, but it's not a position he's been in that much as a run defender. He learns from it. The scheme adjusts to it. He's out really truly as the edge of the defense there where his eyes are cleaner, and then they react to it, and he literally knocks Daniel Jones out of the game later on because of the adjustment that was made there. So, you know, we we look at the development and the learning on the fly and how that relates to what Justin Fields is doing a lot. I think Jaquan Brisker in last week's game is a really key example of a young football player being placed in positions that he's never been placed in before that opponents will continue to game plan. Like think of the Green Bay game where their entire offensive game plan was about how do we put 
this young nickel, who really didn't even hardly play nickel in college, let alone now Kyler Gordon playing nickel as a starter in the National Football League, how do we put this kid in conflict? And when you're in conflict as a defender, it forces hesitation. And when you're facing Aaron Rodgers, any hesitation becomes a chunk play for the opposing offense. So that will continue to be a game plan for the opposing offense. How do we put young defensive backs in conflict, especially with no Jalen Johnson in the lineup? So now you're not erasing part of the field. Now you feel like you can attack every side and up the middle and everywhere else. It's tough duty, man. So Eddie Jackson, he's showing himself now to be kind of that eraser up the middle of the field from a passing perspective again, and maybe the most physical version of football. We've seen Eddie Jackson play throughout his career as well. He's doing a much better job as a tackler, just coming up, running the alley at times, or you know, cleaning guys' clocks along the sideline at times. So he's playing at a really high level. Beyond that, it's a whole lot of guys in the secondary that are going to continue to be tested. Yeah, I, you know, I got to tell you, I think it's it's very interesting to me because if I'm putting together a game plan I'm, and I'm running the Vikings, you're really spoiled for choice, right? Yes, you have yeah. a couple of areas, especially with Jalen Johnson out, where you say to yourself, do I, do I just want to run the ball and get the running game up and running? But, you know, like for some reason, offensive coordinators, play callers get bored of running the football, and they, hmm. they want to like, oh, I, yeah, here's what we're going to do. And they get a little – we saw that here with, uh, with um, the previous administration. You know, Matt Nagy <laughs> would just – he would just get caught up in, in what he wanted to do as opposed to what you actually could do. I, I think, unfortunately, that might be the best way they stop the run is is that um, they may decide that they got to get everybody happy and involved and they're going to do things like, like there is a certain – I think we've seen the Bears coaches be organized and make all sorts of um, of, of, uh, of d- different decisions in the second half, and that, that's good to see adjustments. Why couldn't they make an adjustment – when the quarterback was killing him in the first half. That's what I didn't really understand. It seemed like it wasn't that complicated an adjustment, but they just they it was it was so wide open that by the time they got to stopping it, the damage had already been done. I believe a part of what plays out there because it's as a coach, one one of the things you do throughout the game is you you get through a series and you know you want to try to make some adjustments. You're seeing certain things during the actual series, but really a lot of it begins once the players actually get to the sideline. So, you know, like I've, I've been talking about Jaquan Brisker. I was tweeting about Jaquan Brisker right as it was playing out there in game last week against New York. But you get the entire defense and you get your secondary to the sideline, and I would imagine that Allen Williams and defensive backs coach and, and the Bears defense as a whole are addressing, hey, we got to make sure whoever the force contained player is, within the front and the coverage that we're running, you have to keep the edge. And it's one thing to say that to Jaquan Brisker multiple times. It's another thing for that player to go out there and they continue to make the same mistake over again. Right. So do you quickly adjust the call? Do you quickly get away from it? Or do you coach him up and say, hey, when you see this front or when you see this alignment, like they did it with one tight end to the edge of the formation. They did it with two tight ends to the edge of the formation. They came back and did it with three tight ends to the edge of, of the formation. So from Jaquan Brisker's perspective, he's seeing a very yep. similar action that for those of us at home, we're watching it on TV, we're just seeing boot. They, they show yep. the stretch play to one side. Here comes Daniel Jones out the back door. And so the action in the backfield is similar. But for Jaquan Brisker reading that, as a dude seeing that for the first time, the formation continues to change. And, oh, by the way, Saquon Barkley, when he's getting the football, 
is just streaking untouched into the second and third level of the defense. You're supposed to be the physical presence out here, setting that tone. You want to go help your teammates out, get into chase mode, so when action goes away, I'm about to take Saquon Barkley out. Oh, he doesn't have the football. Oh, hi, Daniel Jones. Bye, Daniel Jones. And that's one of those things where as a coach, you do want to adjust, but you also, as a player sees it, are reminding him of things on the sidelines, giving him coaching points, and wanting that player to be able to, as he's seen it, improve the technique that he's been coached on throughout the week. So I do think there was an alignment, uh, you know, a call and a front adjustment that was made where Jaquan Brisker more consistently, as in the second half of the game, just stayed to the edge. They just widened his alignment and said, ignore the boot, do not chase Saquon Barkley, just go sick Daniel Jones. Just the same way opponents have been doing the entire season to Justin Fields on boot action, on on stretch away. They began doing that, and that adjustment helped from a coaching perspective. But you you don't want to have to necessarily change your entire defense, adjust your front and your assignment and your coverage and everything. You do at times just want to say, hey, you messed this up on the previous snap. We'll run the same exact call. I just need you to do it better now that you've seen it. And I feel like there was a little bit of that, just trying to have some patience patience with Jaquan Brisker adjusting, and he, he just didn't really adjust very quickly early. And you got to give credit to Brian Dayball and his offensive staff of coming up with that. So, you know, they're going yeah, into the week right. game planning, and they're like, all right, here's the rookies. Here are the mullets right now on that defense. Right. This is how we're going to attack them. And it was a brilliant game plan. You know, they, all week, I guarantee the Bears were told, stop Saquon Barkley, stop Saquon Barkley. Uh-huh. That's the number one thing. And where was his eyes? I mean, That's what we the, were talking the whole yes, pregame last yes, week, right? Yes. Stop Saquon Barkley. Yes. And his eyes, Brisker and the edge, edge defender's eyes were completely down in there going the opposite way and not worried about Daniel Jones. And I, Brian Dayball did a great job of scheming up the Bears and, and beating the young rookies. And that's what happens when you have young players out there on a team like this. All right. We, uh, we've got to get to a break. But I, I want to talk about what happens – to the game plan after the scripted plays are over. Mm. In other words, offensively, the Bears have come into these games and they've actually done fairly well with their first possession. And then reality sets in. So uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll discuss that next. The Bears take on the Vikings at noon and we're getting you ready for it. It's the pregame show here on The Score. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah, I was, especially this past weekend, I was excited to get, you know, Justin's deep ball going again and, and see Mooney making plays uh, that I know everyone's used to seeing him make uh, and get other receivers involved as well. Um, and then for the part that we need to improve on are the little details. It's the details. It's, it's our run fits, um, tackling, you know, being better in the red zone. And I know these guys worked hard this week to, to fix it. That is the general manager, Ryan Poles, talking about what the Bears were doing. He was on our sister station, WBBM. This is the pregame show on the score. And, guys, I asked the question before the break. You know, they, they actually come out. Lucas Patrick, uh, Lucas Patrick, Luke Getze <laughs> does a great job of with his scripted plays. Those two guys are interchangeable. I don't know if you've noticed. Um, they love each other. Uh, they, he does a really good job with his scripted plays, and they come out, and they're usually they, – they have as good a drive on the opening drive as, sadly, they may have all game. And obviously they've got to get touchdowns and not field goals. We talked about that. But, but why do things that you – do teams – do other teams make adjustments quickly on the Bears? Why is it that those – that whatever the game plan is, the scripted plays, again – Seem to work. They they seem to come down and did they not score a touchdown against Green Bay and they they uh, got a field goal last week. They, it seems like they are pretty well prepared coming into the game. The game plan's good. It just doesn't sustain. Yeah, I just see it as a as a lack of talent. I mean, I think coaches okay. when they you know get started, they scheme it up and they do a nice job with that, and they they put the players in position to make plays and what they're anticipating and seeing, and maybe they are seeing what they're anticipating and seeing and they're able to go out there and execute it. But then I think as the game goes on, it's just they get beat. <laughs> they can't block. You know what I mean? Justin Fields isn't letting it rip. Guys aren't open. And I think it's just a lack of talent is the reason why that's happening. But you do have to give credit to the coaches in, in doing that in the, in, the, in the first 15 plays or whatever they have, the first 12 plays, whatever they have scripted, because they have come out and done a nice job. So I, I give credit to the coaches there. But in the end, I think as the game goes on, it's just a lack of talent. And you're just, you know, you got too many young players out there going against these better teams. And, you know, just like I was talking about the Bears' defense in our previous segment here and how it can take a little longer for some of those in-game adjustments to really take hold with a young football player as, as things are being seen for the first time or as an opponent is now beginning to exploit some tendency of yours or just some frailty that you have or, you know, like, like we've, been, we've been talking about, Charles Haley used to use that term, the mullet. You know, once they find the mullet, then how do you actually cover up for that? And, you know, when, when you have so many areas of the offense that the opponent can try to exploit, as frequently as the Bears get behind the chains, then it just it affects everything else they're trying to do, where, you know, whether it's a procedural issue that makes it first and 15, whether it's something where they, they get a tackle for loss in the run game or give up a sack on one of the dropbacks, then the next thing you know, now the entire offense, the entire drive begins to erode from there and to be able to come out of the locker room and get that first drive of the game, you know exactly what these plays are. We're within the script, and I, you feel great about that. And now you, once you get into the unscripted portion of things, then that's where you know, you're not actually – your mind isn't as sharply, as keenly prepared to execute those moments. And then especially once you get a couple of different looks from the opponent, now you know, it, it can scramble your eggs a little bit. As a young football player, and, and when all of that, all that newness is breaking the huddle together and all that inexperience is breaking the huddle together, it can lead to some of these moments where 
you know, oh, we, we've actually driven into the red zone. We picked up a couple of first downs here. Is it a touchdown? No, it doesn't end up as, as a touchdown because why, Darnell Mooney? We've been practicing this play against this coverage that Justin checked to the entire week. Why did you run the wrong route? Because now Justin's looking for you in a certain area. You're not there. And the words you used earlier, Mully, decisive. It was awesome that he was decisive, but part of what uh, I think was, was being coached into him in last week's game was because you're going to see a lot of man coverage. You're going to see blitz. Our protection is likely to break down fairly quickly at times. So if you don't like your first read or two, Max, tuck it and run it. Move the chains. Backs are going to be to you. And I think that factored into the decisiveness we saw, not only at times as a passer, but as a runner. I think that was the most decisive we've seen Justin Fields running the football, but it wasn't only just because of what the defense was dictating to him. Some of the times it was, man, my, my guy's not winning on this route. Like <laughs> right. Dante Pettis on an in cut on his second read at one point. All right, there's an in cut here. I can maybe try to throw him open, but he hasn't won on this route. He's initially working up the seam. He's about to run a dig, and he's got hands all up in his chest, and he's not winning cleanly. So do I cut that loose, and maybe it ends up as a tip pass interception, or do I tuck it and run it? And I think that because the entirety of the offense has this discomfort and, and gets disjointed at times, then the first, the scripted series portion of it, everybody's executed at a high level. And then once you really get into the meat of the game and they start to really find out what can we exploit, the Bears don't necessarily seem to have a counterpunch yet. Okay, so I'm going to connect this with the pin and punt strategy at the end of the game, punt and pin strategy. Mm. A lot of people didn't like that. It made perfect sense to me because this is the way the guy coaches. And he comes from a group that the idea would be extend the game, extend the game, do not make a game-deciding play until it's absolutely necessary. You want to extend the game. So they – and it worked, but the, the punt was fumbled, so it didn't work. But the, the, the idea worked. And I think because the Giants didn't have a healthy quarterback, I don't see how you argue with that. But just in talking to different people, the idea of, of trying to – of going, like if you get into the red zone and you are looking at a fourth and two, would you not? And at some point, teams end up doing this and it's out of character. If you're not a team that wants to take a risk, you can take a risk as you start losing, as the season gets away from you, because there's a certain desperation that sets in. If you see the Bears in a fourth and one at the 22 yard line today, do you want them to kick a field goal or are you going to want them? to try to get a first down and keep a drive alive. In other words, how do you prioritize scoring touchdowns if you're settling for field goals in big moments like that in a game? And if it's not in your nature, I understand it's difficult to ask, but doesn't this team need to do anything to try to score touchdowns? I would say yes, but I think what we saw last week is who Matt Eberflus is. Coach Eberflus is going to be that coach from now on while he's the Bears head coach that's going to try to extend the game the, the punt and pin. I just think that's who he is. But I think there's also times in the game and the season as we go along that he's going to have to say, all right, we are really struggling to get down to this area. All right, now is the time to take the chance. And I think it's game to game to game whether you, you, you kick that field goal or you go for it on fourth and one. I think it's all situational, but I think what we're going to see is him do more of the extend the game. But then you're going to have to evaluate as well, is it better for the offense to try to go for it? What is better for this team? What is better for the players' development? 
Or can we set people back by not getting it and, and crushing right. confidence? You know right. what I mean? You've got to, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough question to ask. And I think it is game to game and situation to situation. But I think what we're going to see is Matt Eberflus. This is the way he is going to to coach for the rest of his career. I think that's just who he is. I agree. I think he'll err on the side of complementary football, and you know, and especially like if, if we end up in a game where the Bears' offense is just out there lighting it up, then then the the metrics of that decision will be different, just with the feel you have in game or the sense you have on the sidelines for how things are flowing. So part of it is just that mathematical equation and, and what do the metrics say and, and sort of, you know, being being invested in that. But a lot of it is also just about what sense you have for where your team is at, where the psyche of your team is at in game. And, I mean, you know, there's no reason to think that the Bears offense on, on a fourth down at midfield, especially when you know there's an opportunity for multiple possessions that can still take place and you know their quarterback is out of the game then yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they got a couple of kind of wildcat runs going early with Saquon, but after the first initial snaps where, again, an adjustment there in-game, once Allen Williams and the defense really got a sense for how this sort of unexpected moment would end up playing out, then they were able to shore up their run defense against the wildcat that they saw from the Giants. So being confident, they can come up with a stop, and frankly, being showing the confidence in your special teams. That that's an opportunity you're willing to give them as well, that third phase, that other phase of the game that we all ignore until something goes wrong, until a, a punt is muffed or until a key kick is missed or until a snap sails over someone's head, you're putting faith in your special teams to do exactly what happened. Like the defense came up with the stop after Trenton Gill pinned him down there. You were going to get the ball at midfield with what? With a timeout remaining with over two minutes to go in the game and a chance to take the lead. That is precisely what complimentary football, football dictates should be the way that that situation played out. So I think you're 100% right, Molly. I mean, will it happen that same way in that same decision every time? I think a lot of other factors will depend on it, but my sense from Matt Eberflus is that he'll err on the side of complimentary football. All right, we're going to uh, bring in Dan Pompey next. We'll talk to, uh, to Dan about uh, what he's seen from this team, what the Bears' chances are today, and we'll get your picks before we get out of here. We'll do that next. You're listening to the pregame show here on The Score, and we want to remind everyone that there are new Zing Zang Bloody Mary canned cocktails out there. They've got the premium vodka already in the can, and they're always ready. They're perfect for your game day tailgates. Get out, pick up a few of them, and you might want to crack a couple of them as you watch this game unfold. We'll, we'll determine that with our picks. But uh, please, Zing Zang responsibly. It's the pregame show. Dan Pompey next. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. We're back with more of the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook pregame show on Sports Radio 670 The Score with Mully, Patrick Manley, and Anthony Heron. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook app today. 
It is the pregame show here on The Score, and we're delighted to welcome in the man whose name is writ in the Hall of Fame. Dan Pompey joins us on The Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Dan, good morning. Great morning. The Packers have already lost. There will be a three-way tie atop the NFC North when the Bears follow suit with a victory today. How are you, buddy? <laughs> oh, you are a sun- you are all sunshine this morning. I love it. <laughs> did you did you run in the marathon? Did you get the endorphins going? Is that what happened? <laughs> I couldn't even drive in a marathon, Dan. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Running is punishment. Yeah, don't need my to run car anymore. wouldn't make it 26 <laughs> miles, let alone me. <laughs> Um, but, you know, it, it raises a point. I don't know if it's an important one or not, but the the Vikings ended up surviving in London a week ago. And, uh, and that, you know, the double doink f- field goal attempt and all that stuff. And now they come home. They seem to run out of juice in that game in London. Now, I know they went late. I also I've, – I've traveled to London quite often in my youth, and I never had jet lag problems that lasted a week but if you're looking for maybe hopeful signs, maybe the Vikings are totally uh, uncertain of what day it is, what hour. Maybe they're just uh, half asleep. You're looking very hard. I'll give you credit for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, think, I think this is going to be a tough one for the Bears, but I do believe uh, they should be able to score some points. I think um, – this is a matchup in which, uh, you know, they, they, they can get some points on the board, especially with David Montgomery back in the lineup. Uh, Vikings defense has been a little up and down, uh, but I think the bad news is they're going to give up some points too. I think that can be a pretty explosive offense that the Vikings have. And, uh, you know, the Bears, of all the games that you need Jalen Johnson in, this was the one you really needed him, uh, not only uh, to cover Justin Jefferson, but, I mean, you know, they've got a second receiver who's really good, and their third receiver has got three fewer yards than the Bears' leading receiver. So, you know, <laughs> they, they get you with depth, too, and, and uh, it's going to be a real challenge, I think, for the Bears to be able to stay with the Vikings. They're going to have to rush the passer better than they have at any point and show us something in that regard that they just haven't shown. One thing to me, Dan, that I've I've been encouraged because I just I felt like, at least the public, the, the way that development was addressed publicly lacked so much with the previous regime here. I'm encouraged by hearing the word development and developmental so frequently by the general manager and the head coach. And it's basically they're just saying development or developmental as opposed to rebuild or rebuilding, which is obviously what they're in the midst of. What I'm wondering, Dan, we were d- discussing this a little bit earlier in the show, is is how the level of patience that may be necessary in developing a young and inexperienced roster and a bunch of guys who didn't work out elsewhere that are on prove-it deals here and, you know, not necessarily working out for a lot of them here so far either. How, how does that get addressed? In the way you've covered this so frequently over the years, just from the top down, does Ryan Poles need to go about letting sort of, you know, internally, letting the coaching staff recognize that, the ownership at Hallis recognize that this is something that we shouldn't be necessarily looking closely at kind of the weekly results from a win-loss perspective with the plan as it's laid out. 
You know, Anthony, I think that's one of those things where talk is cheap and ultimately, you know, the results are, are going to be what matters. And, um, you know, results, the bottom line is, you know, you've got to win in the National Football League. You know, the, the development, rebuild, we call it whatever you want, talk about that, you know, the youth. Bottom line is if you're not winning, eventually you're going to be in trouble. And um, uh, that's why Matt Eberflus is coaching the way he is. That's why Luke Getze is calling plays the way they are. And, um, you know, it, it, you guys as former players understand it. I mean, you, you play the game to win. And uh, that's what the Bears are doing. And, and yeah, if I were Matt Eberflus, I'd be playing it the same way. I know some fans don't like that, and they've been critical of him and, and Getze for the way that they haven't, uh, you know, allowed Fields to do more. Um, but I, I don't know where you'd get anyway by having him throw three or four interceptions a game. I mean, how, how is that going to solve any problems or get you any closer to, to where you want to be? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. And I've just I started the show with kind of um, talking myself into having more patience with this team, having more patience with the young guys, understanding that Kyler Gordon's going to get burned every now and then, that he's going to you know, blow a coverage and just let's see him get better from week to week. And the same thing with Justin Fields. And I hope they get that way. And I hope they get better each week. And then Anthony brought up a good point. He thinks the Bears will be better in November and December because they are so young. Is that another way to evaluate them, that you see maybe more wins later in the year because this young talent's getting better? Oh, absolutely. I think that's something that uh, the Bears are planning on, really, and, and certainly hoping for. And, um, you know, I think they really, not even to look at it that far, I think it's a week-to-week thing where they want to see improvement. And sometimes the improvement doesn't always show up in statistics or certainly victories, but... If you could see players, you know, not making the same mistakes they made and, uh, you know, following their techniques better and, and uh, doing things that they've been coached to do all season long and uh, maybe feeling more comfortable, different things, then, then you've made progress. Dan, um, I, I don't know how to say this without just – it just seems like the Minnesota offense is spoiled for choice and you could get healthy – in whatever area you chose to against a team like the Bears, the, just because of the talent gap. But I'm wondering if you um, if you think of um, uh, of the way that um, that uh, um, the, the the Vikings that Kevin O'Connell has has done, and I'm uh, you know I'm not going to disparage a fellow Irishman for God's sake, but I'm just curious: <laughs> is is he will his ego make him throw more than run more? Will somehow he want to do some things? Is there, is there a, 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 a possibility that overconfidence sets in with a, green, with a Minnesota team that has, you know, they played a lot of close games a year ago. They just lost them. This year they're winning close games. It's not like they're, they had a real good game against uh, Green Bay, but it's not like they're blowing everyone out. They're really in some tight games. Yeah, well, I, I suspect that today – it might be his brain that makes him throw more, not his ego, because I think there's a there's a better matchup there. I mean, I'm, certainly the Bears can't stop the run either. But um, you know, I think Dalvin Cook is a little banged up. Uh, he has not really gotten on track this year the way that he has in previous years yet. I don't know. Maybe this is a game where it happens because of all the, the 
Bears' uh, problems with run defense, but uh, certainly they are an inviting defense to run against or pass against. And uh, as you said, the Vikings are probably spoiled for choice, certainly today. And uh, I know there does have to be a part of Kevin O'Donnell that wants to see Kirk Cousins really succeed and light it up and be consistent. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's why he's there, really, because, you know, he's a quarterback's guy, he's a passing game guy, and he's had success previously with the passing game, the Los Angeles Rams, Washington, and, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it is a reflection of him if that passing game does well. The great Dan Pompey here with us on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score joins us every week on the Bears pregame show. And, Dan, the the way that the Vikings are in the thick of the division conversation, the Bears at the moment are not realistically. I, I do wonder if, you know, if the fact that this is a, a divisional game and how, how that could affect the way that the Bears attack anything. We heard the discussion going into the, the Packers game where they didn't want to necessarily hype up that rivalry, but the Bears have certainly performed better against the Vikings than they have against the, the Packers over the years here. Is that the type of thing where even though the, the coaches are new, but the players themselves have been through this with Minnesota and, and can maybe take the field with any, any enhanced confidence, do you think that that's something that since at least the players know that they've been able to, to perform well in these matchups with Minnesota, that we actually see that play out on the field today? Uh, certainly. I think uh, you know the individual players that have had success against the Vikings and been part of victories uh, you know, helps, helps their confidence. Of course, the Bears have so many new players and new players in key positions, starting positions, that it really probably doesn't impact them as much. Uh, and, and as you said, new coaching staff as well. But um, I think uh, that's a part of it. And look, you know, you've got to get past the Minnesota Vikings as well as the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions if you want to fulfill your goals. So. Um, you know, they're, they're always going to be a good measuring stick, no matter where you are in your rebuild or, you know, development, whatever you call it. Um, you know, you, they're, they're always a team that you need to compare yourself to and make sure that you are able to compete with them and, and defeat them. And Dan, this Vikings teams, how, how good are they to you? Where, where do they stand in this division? You know, we just saw New York Giants beat the Green Bay Packers. I thought they were the better team in the division, but now – you know, the NFL's a crazy thing, but where do you see this Minnesota Vikings team within this division and the entire NFL? Yeah, you know, I, I think they're pretty good. I don't think they're a great team. I think they've got some limitations, but I, I kind of think they're, they're a better team. Now, it, it sounds kind of crazy to say they're a better team than they've shown at 3-1, and one, but um, I, I think they've got the potential to be a little bit more consistent and to do more things well than they've done. Uh, so I, I anticipate them being a team that's in the thick of the playoff race and you know, certainly a possibility to play in the postseason. Um, I still think the Packers are going to be the type of team that improves as the season goes on and ends up being the, the best team in the division. But, you know, they've, they've struggled a little bit in ways that very few people anticipated they would struggle. And they've been, uh, they've been up and down. So I think... Uh, you know, it, it's it, it is possible that the Vikings, you know, at the end of the day today, we're sitting here talking about the Vikings in the catbird seat in the division and as one of the, the very best teams in, in the whole league and, and, and certainly the NFC. 30 seconds, Dan. Who'd you pick? 
Yeah, I've, I've got the Vikings in this one. Uh, tough to pick the Bears, I think, on the road against his really good team. Um, but I think, uh, uh, you know, you got to watch out for special teams in this one. Vikings have been have been pretty good on special teams. And uh, you've, got, you've got to keep the ball in Montgomery's hands if you're going to have a chance. Great stuff, Dan. Great catching up with you. Appreciate it. Okay, thank you, guys. Thank All you. right, guys. It's pick time. Anthony, you should go first because poor Patrick had to go first last time. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that we will see from a yardage perspective a better performance from the Bears today against this Vikings defense in the end. Touchdown still going to be tough to come by. I'm going to say the Vikings end up winning 27-20. to 20. Nice. All right, I just I just see them outmatched. You know, you look at the – I got the depth chart in front of me, and I just look – they have too many playmakers. They have playmakers on the defensive side of the ball as well. They have two DNs that haven't played as well as they've – Done in the past, I think they're going to get after Justin Fields. I just don't think it's going to be good. I don't think the Bears can find points. So uh, I've got a 31 to 14. I just have oh. a really bad feeling about this one, just looking at the matchups across the board. Let's just hope they don't lose two games in one week here on this Sunday because they <laughs> come back. We will be back with you on Thursday. They are on Thursday night uh, hosting the Washington Commanders. We'll be here for that. We will be here after the, after the game ends. Come right back to the score. Patrick and I will be here, and then Anthony will be with the post-post game show directly after. We've got a lot going on on the score today, and, uh, and here's hoping that the Bears can keep it competitive, if not uh, get themselves the, the big win. It has been the pregame show. We appreciate you listening. You want to thank everyone for, uh, for their contributions Uh Thanks uh, to, to all, and we will be here right after the show. Make sure you tune right back in. You're listening to The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 